Exactly how can a 2018 or 2019 car be classified as a 2020? And how might that bite you on the ass at trade-in time? Let us crack the kooky code of the car-making calendar. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au, the place where Australian new car buyers save thousands of their next new cars. Hit me up on the website for that. Here is the question du jour. New cars have a build date and a compliance plate. If a car has an August 2019 build date and the same year for compliance, how can it be a 2020 model? My daughter is buying a car and it is supposed to be a 2020 model, but both plates are showing 2019. Your help, please. There are actually four salient car inception dates. <laughs> That's not like confusing or anything. The build date, which is self-explanatory. That's when the car rolls off the production line, obviously enough. Plus the compliance date, which is when the compliance plate goes on. Essentially, there is the model year or MY, like MY19 or MY20, and the first registration date. Okay, so taking them in order. The build date, dead easy. The compliance date, well, that really just tells you which version of the regulations your car complies with. There's all these compliance standards for everything on cars, everything from emissions to the placement of the headlamps, the tail lamps, whatever. We call them ADRs here in Chittsville, Australian Design Rules, okay? And these days, ADRs are essentially just cut and paste retardistani or Eurotrash regulations. They actually call them FMVSSs or UNECE regulations respectively. There might be the odd exception, right? There's probably an exception out there somewhere if you choose to cross-reference them, but the regulations are essentially just globally homogenized, and they do that to reduce compliance costs in particular markets like ours. Compliance regulations evolve over time pretty clearly, so the compliance plate basically just draws a line in the sand and it says, here's the timestamp for regulatory compliance for your car compliance date really doesn't matter that much to the owners of cars. Then there's the model year, which does a lot of people's heads in, I have to say. There's a lot of head scratching about model year. And this whole concept of model year was invented by the retardistanis. So that explains a lot. In general, an MY20, which is the 2020 model year, those cars start getting built in the fourth quarter of 2019. So it's in the last quarter of the year before, right, generally. But it's completely arbitrary inside the industry, right? It's not like there's a regulation on when this can happen or whatever. MY19 cars can actually be identical to MY20, or there might be a refresh of that model or a minor spec upgrade with 2020, or MY20 could actually herald the introduction of an all-new vehicle and often there's no change at all. So MY19 to MY20 really doesn't give you enough information to draw any salient conclusions about the differences between vehicles because it could be completely different or there could be none. And historically, the fourth quarter of the year before was adopted because it gave manufacturers sufficient lead time to work out things like 
TV advertising. And remember, this was like in the 1950s when things actually took time before the world got hooked on crack and became the delight that we experience today. And then there's the first registration date, which is when the car is bought by you, essentially. That's pretty simple too. And you can see how there might be a spread of at least several months between the build date and the first registration date. So right now, in October 2019, you can be looking at an MY20 car that might have been built in August of 2019. And of course, after that, it gets on a boat and it has a charming South Pacific cruise. Yes, for six whole weeks. And then it lands here in Shitsville, just like Captain James Cook. And then it gets compliance in, I don't know, October or November, and then it goes on a truck and the cling wrap comes off and they wash it and put a full tank of fuel in, and it loiters with intent at a dealership holding yard, yearning for your company before getting its hair and makeup primped for you to collect it in January or something and come home like a brand new baby. So there's four different salient dates, okay? And here's where you need to be careful and protect yourself at trade-in time, right? The dealer is likely to use the build date to talk you down on the price. And if he gets this bullshit proposition across the line, and if you buy into it, he adds, essentially, another year's worth of depreciation to the trade-in equation, and he guts you just a little bit harder over your trade-in. And he really does want to do that, so you've got to have the Kevlar plates in front and rear to make sure he does not. Then he details the car, of course, and sells it as a 2020 model because, hey, there's a body of evidence, I think you'd agree, in support of the thesis broadly that car dealers are just profoundly immoral cocks. Just be firm when it comes to the trade-in, right? Mate, it's a 2020 model. Do not play these games with me. It is just eroding your credibility. Do you want me to take my fine business elsewhere? I mean, just be like that, okay? It's not like you want to make friends. He's not coming to your place for dinner anytime soon. It is essential in these circumstances to be a polite but firm asshole when you negotiate. It's a lofty aspiration, right? And most satisfying indeed, I must say, when you manage to pull it off. Right at the moment, there is a potential minefield of this nature out there with the dates. Holden, for example, has thousands upon thousands of cars on ice, essentially just rotting away in paddocks because nobody wants to buy them. And they kind of over-ordered, which is a mistake in the car importation business. I am certain that you can buy an allegedly brand new 2017 model Holden if you look hard enough, or if you just agree without confirming the dates when you front up to buy a car. So there's that. Volkswagen is defecating in its trousers right now too, because they have a surplus of unsold 2018 Touaregs on hand. So you'll get a discount there if you achieve polite asshole negotiator status. But on these old brand new shit heaps, right, the problem is the trade-in. What exactly is the benefit of saving five grand up front if the trade-in costs you an additional 5k in depreciation right at the end of your association with that vehicle? You would have been better off in a brand new, brand new car. 
The point I'm making is that the discount up front on one of these aging surplus shit heaps would want to be truly exceptional. Otherwise, it's going to bite you on the ass when you upgrade. So if you're wondering what's been going on around here, I am currently upgrading the Fat Cave for live streaming. I just got the NBN, the steam-powered NBN, yes! I'm installing a three-camera switcher and setting up for taking live calls from you on air. Troll FM. <laughs> that could be fun or, let's face it, an unmitigated disaster. I have to see what happens, really. But hey, it's all a bit of an adventure. It's a mad experiment that I am about to run, and I'd like to thank you sincerely if you have supported this channel by viewing or donating, as many of you have, via PayPal. Your generosity has helped make this upgrade possible, so thank you very much. And if you would like to help, there is a secure link in the description. Let's take a look. Just a quick behind the scenes look at where we are with Project Live Streaming. Sorry if the audio's crap too for this short segment. We're just using the microphone on top of the camera and not this good microphone here. Anyway, what we've got is a deck, not unlike the deck you see in radio studios. It's called a Rodecaster Pro. And I've got this microphone here called a Rode Procaster. You think they could have done a slightly better job disambiguating those names? I think they probably could. It's all great equipment though, made here in Chia too, which is nice. So anyway, the clever thing about this deck is it allows me to take calls. So you'll be able to ring in live and I'll be able to take those calls just like on radio. And if I wear the headphones, I'll be able to hear you and you'll be able to hear me and all of that stuff, which is great. The audience will be able to hear you as well. Fantastic. It even sends a mix minus back to the caller so that the call is not echoey and really confusing. So high-tech stuff. The audio signal out of this is going into this little white box here from Roland. It's called a VR1HD. It's basically a video switcher with audio capability built in as well. And the really clever thing about this is the USB output. Basically, it just turns this audio and the vision from as many as three cameras, which you can switch, into a stream that the iMac thinks is a webcam, which makes it really simple to stream, right? So you get all this complexity here, but what's going into the computer, the computer thinks that's just the vision from a webcam. And then it just gets sucked into a piece of software called Wirecast. You connect to YouTube and we're off to the races live, okay? And obviously the live broadcasts will be archived and available to view later, but I'm gonna try and make them at regular times so you will know you'll be able to call in. You can tell me what you think of the show, which could be quite interesting. You can also ask me if you've got a problem and I'll do what I can to help you out, or you can just make comments generally. So it's a mad experiment. We're just gonna run it and see how it plays. Who knows, it might turn into a thing. Now, I must confess, I have always wanted a brain bleed in front of a whole bunch of people, and you can help by participating in these live streams over coming weeks. Because, you know, talking, right, taking calls, rolling packages, the stingers, ushering in and out, the Ming moles and switching cameras, it's all going to be quite the cognitive workload, don't you think? I used to panel and present on radio, you know, in and out of delay, timing out for the news and taking traffic in the middle of ad breaks and loading the ads and all that stuff. And I thought that was friggin' gonna kill me at times, but 
I think you'd agree this might be at least equally challenging. So I'm looking forward to that, being ushered out on a stretcher with blood pouring from both ears. Yes. But it will be the opportunity to interact, to interact and interact live with you on air, the fans and, upliftingly enough, the haters. And I am, as you know, perversely looking forward to that. John, Dave Butner looks like one of the Sontarans from Doctor Who. Sorry, showing my age here. Yes, that is of course quite true. The Sontarans looked like penises with ears too, didn't they? Well done there, BBC. Hey JC, if we remove your hat from your head, you and the big Bats would look like identical twins, or at least the siblings from the same litter. By the way, Holden sends their love. Well, yes, Gary, I agree wholeheartedly. It is fair to say that without hair, we are all just would-be extraterrestrial wedding vegetables with ears looking to duke it out with a Time Lord. <laughs> yes. Calling MB Badge the three-point swastika is unnecessary. Appropriateness aside, as a joke, it's not even worth a chuckle either. I think you'd agree that I am generally a fairly agreeable chap, but I can only agree with you here in part, okay? It is totally unnecessary, so we are on the same page there, but I kind of like it, you know, and it does make me chortle from time to time. Three-pronged swastika. It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Like, I don't know, Bavarian money waster or four-ringed Volkswagen for compulsive masturbators. Just to spell this out, this is kind of how satire works. They would never call themselves that, but it fits, perversely enough. Mercedes-Benz being the most aspirational and yet least reliable premium brand. They hit that particular sweet spot, didn't they? A double whammy. And bonus points, I guess. They behave like the friggin' Gestapo, often enough in the service department. So there's that. Like, we grudgingly accepted your filthy cash and we graciously allowed you to sit behind our fine three-pronger. So how dare you demand lubricant with your head upside down and your hands grasping your ankles in that undignified fashion just because you want the damn thing fixed. I'm actually having lunch next week with the PR manager of Mercedes-Benz in Schittsville, and I'm fairly certain that he's going to request that I lay off with the three-pronged swastikas. And I'm fairly certain that in response I'm going to say no. Looking forward to that, actually. Polite bastard status. Guaranteed. Tongue punch would have been funnier. Gonna have to disagree with you on this, and I must say, strongly. I did jokingly refer to Cars Guide's news editor, Tung Nguyen, as Deep Tongue. Basically, right, he just reiterated some bullshit Holden statement without calling them out on it. And I thought, this is the exact opposite of great journalism. And when I think about great journalism, I think Bob Woodward, Carl Bernstein, Watergate, and of course the confidential informant in that case who essentially toppled President Nixon. He was almost certainly a guy named Mark Felt, who was a top FBI agent at the time. So the editor of the Washington Post back then, Howard Simons, called that informant Deep Throat. And he did that after the 1972 smash hit pornographic film, which was also called Deep Throat, 
starring Linda Lovelace. And it really was an excellent movie, I think you'd agree. I was too young to attend the premiere, sadly, but I was very, very interested in anatomy at the time, obviously. But mum and dad, bastards, said that I had to be at least 10 to go. So, inevitably, I saw it later. But you've got to admire a news guy who names the biggest and most significant whistleblower in modern history after award-winning porn. Yes. Hashtag respect. And so, the only journalism-related satirical takedown I could think of gently to criticise this epic piece of non-journalism in Cars Guide was to call the author Deep Tongue. And it just fit on so many levels. It kind of pains me to have to lay all this out. Yes, out of order, Spanninus is punishable by death down there through cock strangulation. Lol. And doesn't that just sound like F-U-N? An altogether unpleasant way to go, I'd suggest. I mean, not that you get to choose, but... I want to come and go at the same time if I am afforded the choice, aged about 90, in a hot tub full of Verve Clicco and Scandinavian hotties. But thankfully, just let me check. My spanners appear to be in order. And we can both breathe easy. Quantum bullshit is a new concept to me. I think you need to write this up for nature. Makes me wonder about things like shredding is bullshit. Is it alive or dead bullshit? Or is it a superposition of lies and truth until we listen to it? That is incredibly perceptive, Christian. Straight Bullshit superposition, otherwise known as shredding is bullshit, is absolutely a thing. Bullshit exists in a superposited state of being simultaneously true and false until you do actual investigative journalism on it, and then the waveform collapses and the bullshit enters a state of either self-serving truth or self-serving falsehood. It's, it's amazing. And I think this is what happens when Professor Harry G. Frankfurt drops a couple of tabs of benzodiazepine and goes out and reads Robert Hooke's biography, upliftingly enough. I think that's how this was all worked out. There's some very promising research, cutting-edge stuff coming out of Fermilab on this right now too. Loop quantum bullshit theory, which suggests that like space itself, bullshit may actually be quantizable. The smallest possible unit of bullshit called Planck bullshit, which is named after that German genius who quantized energy in 1918, Max Karl Ernst Ludwig Planck, is thought to be 10 to the minus 35 times the ambient level of bullshit to be found in an average corporate press release. Quite encouraging research there, I think you'd agree, into one of the most salient aspects of the human condition. And you heard it first on this fine channel that claims occasionally to be about cars, but mostly it's not. 